Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome back. Fighters Fury. Very excited to be joined by my next guest. He's connected in every single way into the boxing landscape. He's got his fingerprints all over the map. Peter Kahn, local down here. He's been managing fighters for uh, a number of years now, Peter. You're 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 kind of in the midst of with all promoters, all ends of the earth. You know, we were speaking, you're on each different time zone. It's like your clock doesn't stop all single day. So it's fascinating to get you in here because I don't think people get to hear maybe this, this side of the, uh, the, the business or how things go. So I guess I want to start here when you're, when your day is starting, because I think a lot of things from a fight fans perspective is, well, how come things don't get done? How come things aren't done in a timely manner? What's making things go wrong? Uh, like, why don't we get, a triple g canelo when we want it why don't we get a deontay wilder anthony joshua when we want it why why are there all these things that 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 uh that get in the way so i guess give me uh from your perspective the i guess number one headache that can cause maybe fights to not go the way we probably want to go or not be in the timely manner like how does how do you, from your perspective, see those things unfold? So that's a great question. And, and first and foremost, thanks for having me on the show. A uh, big fan. Uh, listen to you often. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here. So it's a great question because, like you said, I'm constantly trying to make fights for the fighters that I manage. And timing is the most frustrating aspect. And you got to look at it this way. At the championship level, uh, most fighters can't fight more than three times per year. Like if you're talking even in the heavyweight division or the lighter divisions, three times a year is is pretty much the max. So with that being said, like all the stars have to fall into alignment. Number one, you don't want to have a competing show against another show. Right. So, I mean, we can all look at Mayweather McGregor and Triple G Canelo. Uh, I've never seen anyone more upset in the history of boxing than Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just interviewed him. I also write for Forbes, the boxing for Forbes. Gotcha. And Oscar and I spent some time together uh, about a month ago, and uh, and we did a uh, like a twenty minute sit down, very casual. But he was still heated. I think he said uh, that uh, they were basically wanted to rain on his parade. So uh, to that point, everything has to fall into alignment. A, the fighters have to be in rhythm, in their fighting rhythm. They, right. they like like you have Joshua and Parker coming up. And it works because neither of them are just coming off a fight. They've both been somewhat inactive to an extent to where they're able to settle on this March 31st date. But then you have to get the television date to be in alignment. So whether that's going to be HBO or Showtime, and from what I understand, uh, the U.S. distribution has not been finalized yet. Really? So, well, you know, Eddie Hearn uh, of Matchroom has been working with both HBO and Showtime. Yep. So he's been doing a lot of Showtime with Joshua and with uh, in Sheffield in past May with Kell Brook uh, and a number of other fighters. But he also now has a relationship that he's been cultivating with HBO through Danny Jacobs. Right, right, right. And as I told you, not that I'm proud of this, but my, my light heavyweight, Trent Broadhurst, uh, was on the wrong end of a first-round KO loss to Dimitri Bevel uh, in Monaco, and that was on HBO. So you have the the activity of the fighters, 
right? Having to to pick a date that works so that they can both have a proper camp. Uh, because remember, they need a certain amount of lead time. Heavyweights, not so much because they don't have to make weight. But on the smaller weight classes, guys, part of it. these guys have to time that out. Well, then it has to match up with a TV date that two promoters, sometimes they go head to head because they have no choice. But you really don't want to cannibalize your audience. So that's another factor. Well, and then let's get down to the, the big factor, money. Sure, sure. It all comes down to money. Anthony Joshua has been putting 90-plus thousand people at Wembley, 70-plus thousand people at Cardiff. They're making money. you know. So Eddie's able to kind of dictate and, and drive the narrative there. I want to get your, Let me get your perspective on this. So I, I find fascinating right now how popular boxing seems across the seas. It seems monstrous in Britain, the way they're able to fill an arena. You know, for example, we go for for our station, we go to some of the fights around here, and I thought one of the best fights we could have made this year was uh, was Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward. Two guys, top of their game. Uh, one guy's a bleep-talking Russian. One guy's an American Olympian. It has all of the things I would think a promoter would want for a fight to line up perfectly. And yet, it's it's downgraded to the Mandalay Bay, if you will, for their for their rematch, which was a controversial first fight. And I'm just like, man, I, if this isn't a commercial success, what is going to be a commercial success in boxing? Because it feels like it has all the ingredients. Whereas across the seas, it's like, man, Anthony Joshua could probably can't walk the streets and not get stopped. Whereas over here, I think probably Deontay Wilder could. He could probably, other than his height, could probably go a lot of places, and people just might say. Oh, what what sport do you play? Do you, are, no, I'm the heavyweight champion right. in the world. It's a, it's a weird spot. So let's take your your first point with Ward Kovalev. And you're right. The I the anticipation for the first fight, right? Wanting to see that matchup was this was a fight fans fight. Not only a fight fans fight. This was like a fight industry person's fight. Like I want I don't watch every fight. Like, I don't, you know, I like to spend time with my family. I like to do other stuff. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. I, I can't sit, always sit and watch fights. But I wanted to see this fight, and I did. And I, I made a point of being home. I wanted to focus on it. And and I wasn't disappointed. Like, that first fight I thought was a really good fight. The problem is, is that Andre Ward, phenomenal fighter, one of the best ever, great fighter, Kovalev, great fighter, not good marketers, not good self-promoters. Mm. So... They they don't have that megaphone, whether it's on social media, whether it's uh, just you know their personality. But here's the other thing, and I never like to throw anyone under the bus. However, in in this case, um, it wasn't so much main events uh, issue. Rock Nation, Rock Nation. Okay, so I, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say. Uh, don't all worry right, about so that. so you know here's the thing, um, and I and I. You know, spoke spoke to Michael Yormark in advance of the rematch, and I tried to do them a favor, where I wrote an article. It was part of my Forbes column. How the sponsors are the big winners in the Ward Kovalev rematch. There was no doubt that we were all anticipating it as from a fight fans perspective, but they fell short on the promotional end. Hmm. They didn't do all that they can do to drive foot traffic, and uh, HBO HBO does what they do. I mean, they don't change the method in which they promote a fight. So they did their job. Right. right? 24 7 is always usually edited amazing. It's, it's, it's great. always well put together. I love, love it. The fighters did their job. Okay. Then you have to leave it up to the promoter. And Ward was with Rock Nation, who was the lead promoter in this scenario. And it really comes down to it being up to them. 
So in that sense, just as the first part, you know, I think that it could have been promoted better. Um, and it's not the first time that we've seen great matchups go fall under the radar. But here's the other thing. I think that we were treated to so many great fights in 2017. Mm -hmm. It truly was a turning point again in the sport. Yes. You know, it's peaks and valleys. Everyone always says to me, oh, MMA is, is just devouring boxing. Well, look, MMA and the UFC in, in particular had a great bump in the early 2000s um, with the launch of The Ultimate Fighter mm -hmm. and the, the revamped and rebranded UFC. Look, who's going to deny that? No one. It was great. But peaks and valleys boxing had a good hundred year run before that absolutely and the thing is is that the fights have gotten better there's been more competitive fights i mean we have some really good fighters a lot of talent across the I divisions think, i think it's at a point right now i've been more excited about the young crop that we have right now than i have been in a long time and it does go in peaks and valleys it goes from year to year like i'll tell you you know as a guy who covers both sports for for this show if I were to just put it from an entertainment standpoint, I've been saying it, I would say it all throughout, week in and week out. I said, boxing's having a fantastic year. UFC, not so much. I mean, they had a good late run at the end of the year. Right. But as far as, as far as if you were to look at it from, from post to post with, you know, no McGregor being in the octagon, uh, with John Jones getting suspended and having that top moment, with Ronda Rousey not being there after, like, they had a tough year. It does. The fight game, there's stuff, stuff you can't control. But with boxing, it just seemed like, Man, you had the Joshua Klitschko fight so early on, just got the momentum going. The heavyweight division, there's actual, you can see it almost playing out almost tournament style with how it's coming together. Oh, I mean, it seems like it's a, a lead up to Joshua Wilder. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's saying, right? That's the what you're hoping. Well, you're hoping, but look, as a, as a fan and as someone, I always feel if you're a puncher, you always have a chance. And I think Joseph Parker has a chance. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to beat Anthony Joshua, but he certainly has a chance because I still am yet convinced that I can that I've seen Joshua eat a big punch. The one time he got in trouble, he got knocked down. Right. And if it wasn't for his resilience and a combination of uh, Vladimir Klitschko's age, I think that fight would have gone the other way. But to your second point earlier about uh, about people walking down the street and recognizing fighters, yes. Anthony Joshua can't go anywhere in the UK and in most parts of the world. Even here, I would think that boxing fans would recognize him immediately. Um, we don't have that in the heavyweight division, but let's be real. We certainly had that with Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. Certainly had that with Manny Pacquiao. Yep. I mean, these guys were. And so it just it depends on the weight class. So there are those superstars. Remember, 2% uh, of the fighters make, you know, the majority of the money sure. in the sport. So. You know, there are so many good up-and-coming fighters. Uh, and I think the biggest compliment that UFC fans and UFC, uh, you know, uh, fighters and, and participants should look at is the fact that Dana White wants to start promoting boxing. And that's not just rumor or talk. I know this for a fact mm -hmm. because he's interested in a couple of my fighters. Really? Yes. So I know that he wants to build a stable. What do you think that is? Do you think that's... The money. It is the money, like, because I'm just confused, like, because Dana's got to this point where he built up the UFC, he ended up selling it, people are kind of confused on what his role is still with the UFC, does he want, like, his own, almost baby to make again, and, like, I understand, like, he's super, I imagine he's amazingly wealthy from his piece of the UFC sale. Of course. But, what was that, four and a half billion? 
Yeah. So, but, but listen, even he, still, like that's I'm sure a guy like that, it never goes away and, and it almost maybe wants something new to create again. I don't know. Look, I, I know the history behind the UFC and, and when I think it was Bob Meyerowitz, I think that was his yes. name from from Long Island. Yep, and yep, he, yep. he sold he was selling it. Interestingly enough, there was a guy down here, Dan Lambert, who owns American Top Team, yep. who uh was the original had the original contract on the UFC and he let the Fertitta brothers uh, run with it, and he just, you know, uh, long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. So back then, uh, I was at a rules meeting. Um, I had Devaro Williamson fighting Vladimir Klitschko. I think this was like in 2004 at Caesars outside. And then I had Sid Vanderpool fighting Jeff Lacey on the same Showtime card for the IBF super middleweight title. Gotcha. And so I had two of those TV fights, and we're at the rules meeting. Mark Ratner was still the uh, commissioner for Nevada, and, you know, they do the traditional, uh, you know, the, the appointment of the, the judges and this is the referee and do you have any, you know, do you protest? Are you okay? It's, you know, it's just a formality, but you have to be present. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden to my left, uh, so then Mark Ratner says, does anybody have any other business that they want to discuss? Because it's an open meeting to the public. And a uh, guy next to me stands up, says, my name is Lorenzo Fertitta and I own a company called uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship. And. Uh, I'm respectfully requesting that uh, you don't make the results public because, you know, results are public knowledge the next day uh, because we're doing this reality show. And I remember like looking up at him as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to him talk about this and I'm thinking this is going to be really big. Like that, uh, you know, that this is going to like he explained basically the first season of The Ultimate Fighter gotcha. before it actually aired because he had he needed permission that the results wouldn't be released. Otherwise, it would ruin so the whole show. The show. Yeah. And from that point, it exploded. Dana White did a great job. It just, it, it exploded. I mean, it was the biggest thing. And at the time, boxing, it sort of kind of maybe died, went in one of those valleys. And I think it was just a perfect storm. But, I mean, look, they built the UFC into this mega powerhouse of, its, of an industry in itself. They went and bought, they bought all the competition. Remember, Pride was still competitive. Sure. They bought Pride. I'm not even a UFC guy. I just, I mean, you know, this well, is... Well, fascinating I, part of the business. Right, sure. it's fascinating because you watch them build something that was basically, people call it defunct, right? They build this brand. They make it a worldwide phenomenon. Um, but it's different than boxing because they didn't have competition. Competition drives the price. So a guy who's on the fighter's side, as you are uh, representing them, what do you make now of more guys getting into the game? And Eddie Hearn, who's trying to get into the the American landscape, Dana White, who's trying to put his mm -hmm. foot in the water with the top ranks, with the Golden Boys. Is that sure. better for the fighters that, that we have all this, or is it going to separate guys? Because it, it felt like... You know, it felt like a couple of years ago, like, okay, they were going to be on national television. This is going to be great. But it felt like they were keeping all those PBC guys away right. from each other. And, and it felt like we were hoping that there were going to be more fan-friendly fan uh, fan fights. But it almost felt like the segregation almost got uh, more divisive in the fight game. Well, look, that's what a lot of people uh, are concerned about right now in the welterweight division. Because you have the WBO title uh, with Jeff Horn. Yep. And he's fighting Terrence Crawford. Uh, I'm friends with Jeff. I love Jeff, but I don't see any way that that he beats Terrence Crawford. It's a tough one. Uh, it's 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 just Terrence Crawford's a special fighter. I think he's going to be stronger at 47. Um, but then the rest of the guys are with Al Heyman. Okay, Errol Spence, uh, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, uh, Lamont Peterson, who Spence just fought, uh, and then a number of other guys. So Al 
which understandably, okay, he's recycling all of his guys and they're fighting each other, but these are guys at the top level. But you know what? They've already fought each other enough, okay? So eventually you're going to need to have some new people. So to your point and concern is that we, you know, we wonder, can Bob Arum and PBC slash Al Heyman make a deal so that we can unify that welterweight division, right. which would be unbelievable. With, that, with the amount of talent, to be able to see that happen, to have maybe a Terrence Crawford and a Errol oh, Spence, I think it's kind of owed to the fans. Definitely. So I do think, you know, I worked for Don King for a long time, and people, there was a time when him and Bob Aaron would never work. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, uh, De La Hoya and Trinidad fought, and that kind of opened the door again. I think actually Chavez and De La Hoya fought first, and I think in the end, money talks. Sure. And the fans, you know, want to see something. I don't think that it's going to get in the way because um, – you know, c- promoters are competitive, but they're in this to make a living. I mean, they're in this to make money. So everything's a negotiation. So I do think that the more uh, – and, and television dictates a lot of that narrative as well. And if HBO and Showtime, who are still the big players, and now ESPN with all the dates they've given Top Rank and, ESP, and uh, uh, Golden Boy, they also have a say. They have to – see, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, Peter Nelson and Steven Espinosa – they have the final say on these fights. They have to approve these fights. Yeah, because they're TV shows. So then, it? what you have is you have guys like me, managers who are constantly emailing and texting, and <laughs> hey, you know, can you? Did you? Are you going to approve so and so for? Because I could be talking to. I'll give you an example. I I won't say the fighter that I have, but because I you know I don't want to say that he got denied by HBO to fight for the the Demetrius Andrade, but he got turned down, and he's a top ten rated junior middleweight. Okay. And uh, HBO didn't approve him for the broadcast. When, when, when that you, cost me and my fighter a lot of money. And from your because the promoter wanted the fight. And from, from but from your standpoint, when you get those, when they get denied, what's the reasoning behind it? To be on the part. Hey, look, just, I'm it, not going to ever say. Is it mostly they don't feel it's going to be? Ta- is it want to protect a, their other entity? What no, are you gonna, they what don't. Get they don't. Oh no, they they would. Lo- I mean, they don't think it would be appealing to the viewer. Really, and that's their opinion. I can't tell them how to do their job. I mean, obviously, I think all my fighters should be on television. I would be an insane person if I didn't. Right. Why would I manage a fighter that I don't think should be on television or that has world championship potential? Like, all my guys are in that environment. Um, and then, you know, you have the flip side of it. Like, for instance, my my undefeated super featherweight, Saul Rodriguez. I have him with Mayweather. Right. Uh, it's really hard to find him opponents at this point. And so now we're in this mode where guys either price themselves out because they don't, you know, 20 wins, 15 KOs, they don't want to get knocked out. And if they do, they want to get paid really well. Uh, Then you have the issue of the commission uh, approving. I mean, we can't get an opponent for his fight on February 17th because it either doesn't get approved by by the commission in Nevada or guys price themselves out. So then we can't put him on television. Why would Leonard Ellerby put him on television against an opponent? You know what I mean? Like it would have to be television friendly. I understand. It's so it's it, you got to find it's it's almost you got to find the right mix of exactly marketability, but also competitiveness. It's got to be, and that's it's 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 that it almost goes back to our first point of the of the segment where it's like you got to find that right mix of timing, marketing, money. It all benefits. Well, yeah. So so the fan looks at it like you know everyone's crazy. They're not doing their job. This is ridiculous. But it, there's so many things that go into it. So when when Eddie announced when Eddie Hearn announced that Kelbrook was going to be fighting at super middleweight right and mm-hmm. he announced a date I immediately of course said how about so and so and he said 
I'm not going to say who because then, you know, I don't want to, but it'll say, but he said, I, I need someone easier first. Gotcha. For the first fight for him at 54. Um, and then I went back at him with somebody else and, you know, he pawns it off on the trainer. He's like, Virgil's, trainer's got Virgil's picking the, That's uh, interesting. so now you got the trainer. So I have an undefeated uh, lightweight that's also top five in the world. And even working with trainers, like I called Abel Sanchez and I'm like, would you like to work with so-and-so? You know, I'll send him up to Big Bear. And then it's like, there's all these stipulations. The father can't be involved. I need to have this. I need to have it like that. He can come out for three to four weeks. Let's see if there's a chemistry. All the ego massaging you got to do. Yeah, but it's just the way that it is. And so what happens is it's all of these things. You know, at the end of the day, this is a really tough sport. Like, it's very it's unforgiving. Al- it's also a tough thing, as I got to imagine, for fighters because we're in this day and age where the fans have such a direct pipeline to the guys. Yeah. And a lot of the times, you know, they get called out, and these are the, you know, these are some of the hardest individuals you'll meet. They get abused on social media, right? By and anyone by saying you're a coward, oh. you're scared, you won't do this, and you think, right. like, man, think about the depths they've gone to to get where they are, and they're getting to even called. be in that conversation, right? So Chris Van Heerden, my my welterweight, who you might remember from the, the uh, uh, McGregor sparring, exactly. Incident. So Chris tape incident. It's not like right. there was an incident. It's just for those who don't remember from the McGregor buildup, it was. This the first leak tape of McGregor tape uh, of McGregor training boxing came out, and he was given the work to. It appeared he was given the work to, uh, to Peter's fighter Chris Van Heerden, and it it didn't turn out to be that was that uh that the the right. optics weren't right. exactly Chris what toyed were being. with him. Yeah, Chris toyed with him, but understandably so. Chris is Chris is a, a welterweight with one loss on his record in 2015. Right. In over twenty some fights, only you know he only has one loss. You know it's to Errol Spence. I mean, it's, it's not a bad guy to lose to. Definitely not. And and in a ten round fight, the referee stopped it in the eighth. But Chris wasn't knocked out. He wasn't down. But you know he needed a knockout to win, and it wasn't happening. Chris gave Errol Spence a better fight, in my opinion, than Lamont Peterson and <sighs> and Kelbrook. Okay, so to the Peterson point, uh, Van Heerden, because of this McGregor thing, it gave him a platform. They he was on TMZ. He was on ESPN Sports Center. They, you know, people wanted to talk to him. He took that opportunity to call out Lamont Peterson, Lamont Peterson, Lamont Peterson, because Peterson had the interim WBA welterweight belt at that time. Right. You know, Chris is just Peterson, Peterson calling him out. Lamont doesn't do anything on social media, doesn't respond, nothing. You know, all this time goes by, and of course he ends up fighting Spence, and we saw how that went. And, and look, that's just a tough. It's a tough fight. The only person, like I was telling you, I think before we spoke, the only person that I could see being competitive with him would be Terrence Crawford. I mean, I think Spence beats Thurman. I think he beats Porter. He Garcia. looked incredible. I mean, watching what it, and it's so it's 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 a thing with him where you watch him and it seems effortless. Yeah, but it's it, you could just tell how damaging he is to guys. It's just the buildup. It is. It's 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 it was beautiful to watch last week. I was in Sheffield, uh, just a few feet from the ring when he fought Kelbrook when he won the title. His punches are thunderous. It's like he is very strong. He's a very like he's a very strong welterweight. He is a he has a, such a high boxing IQ. He's so composed. He is very methodical. He does all the right things. And I'm imagining he has a good chin. I I don't know if he's been tested yet, yeah. but but he just is he's so relaxed and not phased. Uh, that um, I, I really don't see anyone giving him trouble like in the near future, except maybe Crawford, who's got that mentality 
to probably make a really good fight of it. Well, let me ask you. So, if you were, if you're in a guy like Errol Spence right now, and he's they're doing they're doing all the right things with him. He's young. He's he's very exciting style. What do you think it is to get guys to? I guess I guess the only classification is like superstar level. Like, how does it take that? What what is it that makes that jump? Because remember watching. You know, Floyd was in the sport for so long. Like, the jump for him really didn't happen e- even until later in his career. He put so much time into it. And then it took the De La Hoya fight, and then boom, it was, so, it was next level. So I was talking to Leonard LRB yesterday about that because we we're talking about the fighter that I manage that they have. Uh, they're the promoter. So it's a team effort. You know what I mean? Like, it's a team effort because we all have the same goal in mind. Obviously, I'm the go between between my fighter and them, but in the end, we have the same goal. We want him to be a world champion. We want him to make a lot of money. Right. And we want him to win and, and, you know, all those other things that go along with it. And so Leonard and I were talking because there's just this strategy that takes place. And so we ended up talking about, for a minute, um, I was telling him, for me, the fight that was a statement fight for Floyd, where he went from, we knew he was a great fighter, but to that next level was the Corrales fight. Okay. In the ease of which people thought Corrales was going to get him, and, and Floyd dismantled him. Right. I mean, do you remember that fight against Diego? Yep, I mean, Floyd sure. dismantled him. And and so, yeah, so there are defining fights. And I think for Spence, he needs that defining fight. So Peterson was a good step in that direction. Look, he beat Kell Brook. Kell Brook was, is, is no walkover. No, I mean, not. Kell Brook is a good fighter and he's heavy handed, too. I don't know. This is not I, I, I know today, uh, you know, uh, or this week, Showtime is is going to be announcing their fights uh, for uh, whether it's the first quarter or big fights for the year. I have a feeling that we're going to see Spence and Thurman definitely in 2018. Um, and I think that if Crawford uh, beats Horn um, as as anticipated, um, I really believe that we can end up seeing this unification in the in the welterweight division. Uh, so we, we might have a unified heavyweight champion, might have a unified welterweight champion. Um, there's going to be the Canelo Triple G rematch. Yep. Uh, I guess in May. Is that right? May? Yeah, May. Yeah. I was talking to Oscar. Well, that's said, what they're hoping. May. Who knows? Oh, like, no, he I, come, I, he yeah. comes out. He's like, nah, it's not done yet. But then like, if somebody in his company is like, no, 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 it's done. It's like, so, who knows? Well, I sat down with Oscar, and I and, and my gut is that it's going to end up at Madison Square Garden. Really? It's my gut based, cool. based on our conversation. He said they really, really wanted it. Um, but it might, as well, it might end up in Las Vegas. But those are those things, that the timing of things. things. I yep. mean- you know, for Mayweather McGregor to happen, they had to pay. Uh, they had to give step aside money to um. What was the basketball? Oh, the big three. Uh, ice cube. The big I mean, three. How do you get? I want that job. I just want to have the job where you get a date and someone has to pay you a lot of money to step aside. Yeah, would you mind just going across the street? Would you? Would you mind? That's... You know, but it's just you know, it's like what I'm saying is all those things have to play into it, right? And so, um. Uh, the other thing is that boxing in the past year and, and moving into 18 on a worldwide scale has has flourished. Like you said, the UK, um, boxing's on fire. Uh, in Russia, box, I mean, there's more and more world-class fighters being produced at the championship level. And there are big promoters that are promoting consistently. They have television. And then their fighters are coming over here and, and winning world titles. Um, look, for what it's worth, Australia... Uh, has picked up the pace, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. Look, Joe Parker, you know, he's 
He's from New Zealand. Uh, his promoter is from New Zealand, but it's all very, you know, they, they also have Jeff Horn. You never Horn. know what that with the New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. say it's the same, but they seem to, they seem to <laughs> not like that. I don't know. I, you know, the, the promoters are, they're, they're actually all New Zealand, and even Jeff Horn fought, fought the majority of his fights in New Zealand before fighting, you know, coming back and fighting in Brisbane. Um, but uh, the worldwide China, I mean, there's been so many fights in China. Uh, Top Rank has been doing so many fights in Macau and uh, even Chinese promoters now have been picking up the pace. I mean, look, they have 1.4 billion people, uh, and they have a lot of fight fans there. Um, Japan is consistent with, you know, churning out the smaller weight classes. Uh, there's just a lot of interest worldwide in seeing these fights. It's it's going to be a fun year. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. I really enjoy this conversation, Peter. Uh, I hope we can do it again down the line. That'd be uh, that'd absolutely. Be, that'd be great. Um, and that was a fascinating look into where things stand right now. Um. It's gonna be an interesting, interesting year for. I think this could be a real good turning point year for uh, for boxing. Before you get rid of me here, who are your top five pound for pound? Oh man! Now that the Spence fight took place, I will. I never know where to put. I, see, I I think that seeing what Lomachenko has been doing to guys mentally, it's like it, it it's a different kind of beatdown that I've been seeing with guys right now. So. Though I think we can question, uh, well, what is the true test he's really facing? The fact that he's going in there with guys who are hardened guys, and they're just saying, "Man, I, it's not." It doesn't feel like they physically can't take it. It's like they've never seen a Rubik's cube like him before. I right, can't figure him out. So, I mean, if he's not top, he's definitely in the. He's definitely in probably my top three. Um, right now, I got Joshua just because he's you know to me heavyweight champion of the world is baddest man on the planet. I think that's. And the, and the, and the fact that you know he's he has a win like that in a fight of the year, that's a big deal to me. Um, you know, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford. It's tough for me not to have those guys both up there. Um, if I were to put a fifth one in there right now, does Mikey Garcia make the list? Yeah, Mikey Garcia. I mean, it'd be awesome to see him versus Loma this year too. If they could ever make that happen, that'd be pretty awesome. You know. Uh... I mean, I, I mean, does can, where's Canelo? Canelo and Triple G, like it's tough. <laughs> like I mean, and and then it's then you think back to their fight, and you're just like, well, who do I who do I give the tiebreaker to there? Like, do I go with what I think happened, or do I go with right. what the results are? Um, and I'm one of these guys. I didn't think it was as lopsided as pe- people thought. Like Triple G ran away with it. I yeah. didn't think so. I thought yeah. it, I thought it was actually very close. And I thought the I think I actually ended up it being a draw on my phone when I like I do my stupid scorecard on my phone as right. it goes. So that's, you know, I'd probably, because one of those guys is they're going to have probably the biggest business fight of the year. Um, I think that counts for something too, you know? So for me, I don't know if I can rank them in any different order, but I put Lomachenko, Anthony Joshua, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, Triple G Canelo, one of them in there. So, and I, you know, I know you're short on time here, but I'm kind of interviewing you here for a second because I, so now that you put Joshua in there, does wild why does wilder not is it i mean their level of co- joshua has not had a level of competition you're right but to justify to it me, either the the and that and, and you, Cl- what, the 40 year old klitschko what sucks for joshua what sucks for for deontay rather is a lot of this stuff hasn't been his fault it's been stuff that's out of his control right well he's finally getting ortiz he's finally getting him but, uh, but, I need, but he also but, had uh he also had pavetkin yep i mean these guys failed drug tests yeah, these, this isn't his fault, right. but it's still you still have to have that signature moment, right? Right. And Joshua has it, and Wilder may get it soon, but for me, it's not there yet. And I'm not like we're 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 
we're cutting it thin here. Like I'm talking like he's top ten. He's still fantastic, but right. I still think that Joshua gets the nod right now. But remember, because he does. pound for pound was created by the sports writers because Sugar Ray Robinson was so dominant. They needed to define something to express how he was the best fighter in the sport. So they created the pound for pound list for him. Yep. And so uh, it's a t- that just tells you how. Uh, how good of a place the sport is in right now that we can't really even pin down. pin down a top five. It's, it's tough to pin and, down, and which is a good thing. To Triple G Canelo, as you know, I write um, as part of the Forbes. I also write uh, the Better's Guide, and my best bet of the evening was a draw at like plus two thousand. Really? Yeah, because I just felt it wasn't inconceivable that that they can both win six rounds each. I think people would have been less outraged if it wasn't the one scorecard being as oh, crazy Oh, Adelaide Bird's scorecard was a little like, bit was, was off, but take hers out of the way. We would have been more okay with it. Right. It's just where the it, it was where it was. It seemed like if you have something like that, you're either not watching the fight or you're on the take. Floyd made a career and hundreds of millions of dollars going backwards and counterpunching. Why can't Canelo? I agree. If you're agree. effective, right? So that's my my final thought. Peter Kahn, thank you for the time today in studio. Very much enjoyed it. We'll be back after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.